And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Welcome back to the Iowa Caucus Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John Hurl, and I'm very excited to bring you episode number four of the podcast. We have a great episode lined up. Matt Sinovic, the executive director of Progress Iowa, comes in for an interview. Also, John Altendorf is the featured member on the Meet the Member section of the podcast. And as always, we have the schedule of events. So without further ado, here's the interview with Sinovic. And now I'd like to welcome in Matt Sinovic of Progress Iowa. Uh, Sinovic is the executive director of Progress Iowa. Progress Iowa is a multi-issue progressive advocacy organization that promotes progressive ideas and causes with creative earned media strategies, targeted email campaigns, and cutting-edge new media. Over the past seven years, Progress Iowa has grown from a few dozen members to a community of more than 75,000 progressives, the largest online organization of its kind in the state. The organization works closely with local and national organizations and leaders to promote our shared progressive values. So uh, thank you so much uh, for agreeing to, to sit down, and I really appreciate your time, Matt. Yeah, thanks, John. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and I understand you have a Drake uh, University connection. Uh, <laughs> can you kind of explain um, that? My, wi- my wife, Stephanie, works here at Drake uh, in, in the advancement uh, department. She's a, a senior advancement officer, so does does a lot of development work, works with alums and and so, uh, so yeah, we're, I mean, she's loved working at Drake and, and I've loved to just kind of be connected to Drake in that way and come to a, a lot of, a lot, uh, not that I wouldn't have participated in Drake mm-hmm. events, mm-hmm. but probably get to know more about what's mm-hmm. going on on campus. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great, uh, great school and, and love to, love to be part of it. So, yeah. Thank you so much. And yeah. as we get into it, Matt, my first question for you is kind of what do you see as Progress Iowa's role? Uh, in the 2020 caucuses. And um, as we get this started, obviously, the Democrats have a lot of uh, sure, candidates yeah. to pick from. What do you see as your organization's <laughs> role in that process? Um, so what we do, and it's very similar to our role uh, in a non-caucus year. I know mm. that's that's probably a boring answer, but it, it's, a, <laughs> it's the truth where mm. we try and get people involved and we try and we try and take research information, uh, ideas, and then get those to Iowans, um, normally progressive Iowans, and and encourage them to take action. So most years and most of the time, that means like getting research and information about legislation that might be going through at the state house, and and so and trying to make sure that they know that okay, there's a subcommittee, there's a committee meeting. You can uh, attend a public uh, forum when that when that mm-hmm. happens on the house side um, at the Capitol. Uh, whatever you can do to take action and get involved in your local government, we try and get people the information so that they can go do that. And then uh, for the caucus, it's it's a lot of like, here's opportunities to interact with candidates. And so we have a few events throughout the year. Um, we've done a number of uh, one on uh, of small group events. We have uh, a corn feed in the summer. We have a holiday party coming up in December where because we don't endorse candidates, um, mm-hmm. uh, Progress Out does not endorse candidates, and so we just kind of think of ourselves as a platform where candidates can connect with with our membership or people who who are who are part of our network, and then they can learn more about campaigns. So that's that's one role. Then the other is we want to make sure that as candidates are coming through, that they are talking about 
progressive ideas in the best way possible. So we will talk about the courts, health care, workers' rights, mm-hmm. any of the things that we normally talk about, but we want to make sure we want to try and do that in a way that can maybe be impactful because candidates are paying attention to mm-hmm. what's going on in Iowa. So mm-hmm. we want them to, you know, make sure that they know that these are these are the these are important issues and this is how it's impacting people's real lives. So for example, um, we have done I think four of these now, working with Now This, the mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. media online news network, um, where they will, uh, where a candidate will come to Iowa, they'll sit with, they'll they'll be in somebody's living room, and they'll discuss with fifteen or so people uh, a certain mm-hmm. issue. Most of most of them have been about healthcare or, mm-hmm. or economic issues because those are what I mean. Those are kind of staple issues and and really impacting the the lives of everyday people. But um, but we'll help identify the host and, and who's going to attend that mm-hmm. and and make sure that they are uh, prepared to talk with these candidates. And most of the time they're undecided in the caucus and they just want to share their story. And so um, especially this cycle when you have – what were we up to, 26, 27? Yeah, point? it depends on how you count, but right. around so, there. Yeah. So high 20s mm-hmm. um, of candidates and you just have this – I mean most every candidate is being followed by – a mob of, of reporters and and when you get in so it's hard to have the uh, it's it's Jimmy Carter's birthday so we have to invoke him <laughs> here the, the Jimmy Carter style uh, caucus experience where it's one on one a lot or small group mm-hmm. it's harder to do that now it mm-hmm. just is because mm-hmm. this because candidates are just have a following and and there's reporters that come come along with that um, and so setting this up in a small group setting. Uh, or, or providing this in a small group setting really can allow for that back and forth. So that's another way we've done that. Mm-hmm. So we've done, uh, yeah, like I said, four of those. Um, so that that's another example. But but so we just try and connect people with, with good information, try and encourage them to take action or to get involved in uh, those conversations um, so they can share their story and, and, and hopefully make a difference in that way. And can you kind of talk about one thing that both Republicans and Democrats in the state of Iowa can seemingly agree on is the value of having the caucuses here? Yeah, uh, that's one thing. Very that true. Last week I, I spoke with uh, RPI Chairman Jeff Kaufman, uh, and he said that he and Troy Price, uh, Iowa Democratic Party Chairman, agree uh, that this state is very good at selecting the candidates. Do you think that the fact that this has become such a media event and the candidates are not allowed to retail politic as much now as they used to, does that hurt what Iowa? What can do in the way that Iowa selects those candidates, or do you think I that mean, the state still preserves that right and ability? I think we still do. I mean, I, I that's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever heard it posed in that exactly in that way, but but I think we still do because we're we're a small enough state. Um, I think it'd be a mistake to do it uh, in in a in a larger state. Um, we're we're not only a small enough state, but we have, I mean, we have a we have obviously a tradition of this, and so. As people are looking to run for president, it's not just in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg at our corn feed in 2017, and he was here meeting people, mm-hmm. you know, and speaking and like trying to uh, make those connections. And maybe he didn't know if he was going to run for president, but maybe it was like the thinking that it was mm-hmm. a possibility. So mm-hmm. I'll go to Iowa, you know. And so, so that was not. I mean. That was not the big media event at that time. You know, mm-hmm. there was coverage of it, mm-hmm. but it was not certainly not like what it is now. So I think 
that we still do. It just every cycle is a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, some cycles you have 28 plus candidates, whatever it is. Some you have eight or nine. And and so there's a lot more oxygen in the room. So people could, you know, a, a more, um, I'm going to call them lower tier, but a more long shot candidate could spend more time here and get to know people on a, on a one-on-one basis and and take their shot. So so I think we still, I think we absolutely still do, I think, but I think it's doing it in I think it's it's just a challenge, not just here, but everywhere for candidates to kind of walk that uh, tightrope or, or, or strike that balance between are you going to go and knock on every door or are you going to how are you going to incorporate that with the, you know, the world of social media and, and communicating online mm-hmm. and all these things that take up more of your time um, uh, uh, given a modern campaign. So I think we but I think we still do. I think we. I think it's still very possible to have that kind of personal connection with people mm-hmm. um, because it's Iowa. Yeah. Uh, when you look forward to after the nominee has been selected <laughs> right. for the Democratic Party, you knew you couldn't get out of here without one Trump question. Sure. Well, Iowa, happy to talk I, about that. Iowa obviously went for President Trump in 2016 mm-hmm. after going for President Obama the two elections previously. What's going to change between 2016 and 2020 that is going to make Iowa vote for whoever the Democrat put, whoever the Democratic Party puts forward? How do you see Iowa going away from 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 the current president? Yeah, I think that President Trump is his own worst enemy in that in that respect because what his policies have done to devastate Iowa farmers and our 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 state economy. Um, as far as that goes, and the trade economy has been pretty pretty clear. And you even have Governor Reynolds and Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley getting frustrated with him. And uh, I, now I can't. I'm blanking on if it was uh, Governor Reynolds or Senator Ernst saying that they were just going to take the president's word for it when he was going to change his mind on on and. And that's a pretty dangerous game um, without having a, a policy in writing on on some of these important uh, uh, renewable fuel uh, issues or, or, you know, for, for that, that we that we rely on. And so, you know, you have you have just a, a really bad policy, really bad set of policies from the president. And so there's that. I also think that there were um, uh, the numbers are not uh, th- these aren't exact, but it was a few hundred thousand people who voted in 2016 that didn't, or excuse me, yeah, that voted in 2016 that didn't vote in 2012, and the reverse is true. So there was a turnout, um, a turnout gap. Um, and and so I think some of that's going to be reversed. I mean, I think you had people who probably didn't fully realize or think that this could happen, um, that, that the president could actually be, that Donald Trump could actually be elected president. And so maybe they left that blank. Maybe they voted for somebody else. Maybe they didn't turn out to vote. And and I think that uh, that stark reality again, President Trump is I think his own worst enemy. Um, so there's so there's that. Then on the other side, I think almost no matter who you have uh, running on the from from the Democratic nomination, they are they are generally going to be good on the issues that matter most to people. I mean, if you want a president who cares about health care. And not taking away protections for pre-existing conditions, or that kind of, or those kind of healthcare policies. That's the Demo- That's going to be the Democratic candidate, whatever the flavor of healthcare policy they have. Pre-existing conditions are going to be protected if it's a Democratic administration. Um, if you care about equality under the law, 
instead of stripping away protections that have been fought for for LGBTQ, for uh, for women, for workers under the Trump administration, you'll generally have, again, no matter what their flavor is of, of, of specific policy, the Democratic candidate is going to be significantly more to your liking. Um, so, so you have a you'll have a stark choice for people who want uh, quality health care, who want equal rights and equal treatment and fair protection under the law. And so you'll have not only will you have uh, President Trump pushing people away with his policies, you'll have a Democratic candidate who um, who will who will be able to to bring people in because they'll connect with them on a personal level with those those policy stances. So I, I so that's probably the 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 big picture look at that um, that and the turnout uh, the turnout mm-hmm. piece. But uh, so that's my my nickel's worth of, of analysis. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you look at the state, when you look at the state of Iowa, do you think that Iowa is as polarized as maybe the nation as a whole is? Do you think that or do you think that there are a lot of Iowans that view their, you know, their uh, personal beliefs uh, above their, their party affiliation and are willing to kind of cross party lines or cross vote um, on a ticket uh, for a presidential candidate or a congressional candidate? Yeah, I think that I think that there is still some of that. I mean, not, so, yes, I think Iowans do look at the candidate um, for sure and and don't always just vote the the party line. Um, I think you saw a um, some uh, some bit of that in the fourth district last year, where um, uh, uh, J.D. Scholten mm-hmm. came close and almost beat Steve King, and I think Governor Reynolds did you know significantly yes, better yes. than mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. so there's got to be you know I don't I don't know the numbers exactly but there's mm-hmm. there's definitely overlap people voting for J.D. Scholten and Governor Reynolds so so there's gonna you know so there is some of that. I do think, and um, I don't know if you all have talked about this or research, researched this, but but I think that the the decline of like local journalism really makes I think mm. it really makes a difference, not just here but all across the country with polarization. And so, if you have like the like dailies and weekly papers closing down, where are people going to get their news? It's kind of come from cable news, mm-hmm. probably, or online. And and so even if they're getting the maybe, maybe they're getting the Des Moines Register, but maybe they don't want that as much mm-hmm. as, as their old local paper. So they turn on so they turn on Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, et cetera, um, or or any of the things that they see online that's from a national perspective. And it's harder to it's just it's hard to break through that because mm-hmm. you're not you're no matter which side you're on, you're getting your your you're tuning in. Or they're, they they're generally wanting you to tune in and feel this emotional like either fear or excitement mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. as opposed to only getting information you know and not that the and not that the that local r- 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 journalism yeah. isn't isn't yeah. uh, you know doesn't fall uh, prey to that type of you know like wanting for clicks or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's but but that local those local news sources are so important and I think we are just beginning to see the I, I, the the impact of that and that's that's one institutional piece that I think we're we're really hurting for for not having as strong a presence. Uh, well, Matt, before I get you on out of here, yep. uh, I want to know any favorite caucus memories uh, from any of the <laughs> any of the caucus cycles that you've been through so far. Maybe one from the current year. What what really stands out to you when you think back at your caucus memories is some of the best. Oh my gosh, um, I love. Um, so we had a. Uh, 
Um, uh, we we had last cycle in 2016. We put together it was called a rapid response room, a, a rapid response center. Um, really in the media filing center. So a bunch of progressive groups were working out of there, talking with reporters. You know, that was a very cool experience and and a great way to do that. But um, but there were just all these events. And I just remember uh, uh, friends coming in to the state and like literally who are Democrats and like and but wanting to go to as many events as possible. And so we built I built out this calendar for them. And I was like, oh, you're going to go see Carly Fiorina at Hy-Vee. You're going to go see Rick Santorum at Pizza Ranch. You're going to go see, you know, like all these Mm -hmm. things, Martin O'Malley in somebody's backyard. And like, I think they saw 11 candidates in a day or something like that. And so like thinking of things like that and just what a cool like uh, privilege and responsibility it is to be able to do this. I mean, to be able to to be able to be the first state where can't president if you're running for president it is a privilege and a responsibility to to get to meet these candidates and to look them eye to eye and 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 decide you know who you're gonna who you're gonna mm-hmm. support i mean we get to winnow the field here and it and it's just so cool and so that that's probably the 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 best the best memory is just thinking like someone wanting to come in from out of state yep. to do this and like be part of the you know part of the excitement so yeah well uh matt uh where can we find you online on twitter sure. uh both you and and progress iowa uh twitter is at synovic s-i-n-o-v-i-c and at progress iowa um and uh just a plug we have a new media uh, uh network that we're promoting from progress iowa at potluck.fm the potluck media network we have a weekly podcast as well called what a week so mm-hmm. um so we're doing that, just looking at top stories of the week. Um, so if you visit at Potluck FM on Twitter as well. So, yep. Matt Sinovic, Executive Director of Progress Iowa. Thank you so much uh, Thanks, for coming John. in, Matt. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Welcome in, John Altendorf. I'm very excited to have uh, you in the studio. Uh, John, thank you so much for agreeing to sit down with me. You're obviously one of my great friends. and I've been, to be here. I've been waiting for the John Altendorf edition of Meet the Member, so it's it's awesome to have you in. Thank you. Yeah, John and John. Let's do it. Exactly. So, so John, why don't you kind of just start by introducing yourself, you know, your name, hometown major, the standard uh, college introduction, and then kind of talk about your political background, uh, kind of some of the stuff that you've done within politics and kind of the stuff that kind of predisposes you to be interested in the Iowa Caucus Project. Yeah, so I'm John Altendorf. I'm uh, from southeast Minnesota. I'm a junior at Drake University. I have a double major in politics and strategic political communications. Um, and my background in politics while here at Drake is a f- little bit of uh, campaign work as well as working up at the state legislature um, as in a as a clerk in the Senate chamber. Um, and then currently I am a co-president of College Republicans here on campus. And specifically for the Iowa Caucus Project, uh, can you kind of talk about your role within Caucus Project uh, and what team you're on and what kind of you do in that role? Yeah, so I'm on the engagement side of things. So our job is mainly to engage students, hold events, um, and make sure that everyone, whether it be in on campus in Des Moines or in really the state, feels engaged and really up close to the, and uh, personal with the caucus. Um, and then also giving blogs um, and learning about the caucuses on the way myself. Mm-hmm. And you talk about those blogs. You talked about kind of the work that you've done. Do you have any like favorite event that you've kind of been a part of or a story that you've written so far? Or alternatively, is there something that you're really excited about coming up? Yeah, I would say my favorite event that I've experienced so far is I got to sit down with 
uh, Republican presidential candidate Mark Sanford for lunch at Jethro's right off of campus. Um, while he isn't, you know, a very competitive uh, opponent for President Trump at this point, it definitely was cool. Um, they say, you know, every every presidential candidate, if they want to be president, they need to sit down at your dinner table hmm. um, in Iowa. And and I got to sit down at a dinner table with Mark Sanford, which is a pretty ex- cool experience. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier, obviously, you're f- not from Iowa. You're from southeast Minnesota. And while Minnesota and Iowa share a lot of things, uh, they are different in the fact that Minnesota doesn't get to experience the caucuses like Iowa what what are you kind of what's your favorite caucus moment you've had so far um, being in Iowa and being a Drake University student working with the caucuses? And then what have you learned about the state in your time that you've been here so far? Uh, I think my favorite moment would have been last semester. I got to go to a Bernie Sanders rally, which was just a really cool experience for me. Um, even though I'm on the Republican side, it's definitely fun to lean into those types of experiences as a politics student and someone interested in, in the campaign in general. That was a really um, awesome atmosphere to, to be able to witness. Um, and then the one thing that I definitely have learned about about Iowans through this caucus process is just how, how seriously they take it and how seriously um, they are focusing on their candidates that they want to select. Um, they don't take this first-in-the-nation position lightly, um, and, and they're doing everything they can to make sure that they pick the right person come February. So I, I, if you don't mind, I'd actually kind of like to shift now and kind of talk about your role as Drake College Republicans co-president. Uh, that's something that obviously I'm talking about the caucuses. This project, this podcast is about the caucuses. And when you look at the college Republicans role in the caucuses, they have their candidate by and large. Uh, Republicans are not deciding between multiple candidates like the Democrats are. How does that change the way that college Republicans is handling the caucuses and kind of going about and playing a role within the caucuses? I think the main thing is it gets to it allows us to show unity around our candidates. Um, we're we're not um, being divided by multiple different candidates and paths forward. Uh, like you said, we have our candidate picked, which allows us to not only focus on our presidential race, it also lets us focus on down ballot races, such as a, a big U.S. Senate race and a few um, congressional races here in Iowa that we want to keep red or flip red um, in the congressional race uh, category. So I think that the main thing is just being unified and um, being able to to focus on on what we are doing well for Iowa and what we're doing well for the nation instead of um, having to position ourselves and frame ourselves um, by splitting the party among 20, 25 candidates. So what you'd say is, despite the fact that, you know, you mentioned Mark Sanford earlier in the interview, you know, Joe Walsh is uh, Bill Weld. There are a couple of Republican candidates, but nobody in Drake College Republicans that you've seen has really thrown their support behind any of those candidates. Yeah, I mean, I think that we all as Drake College Republicans, as a Republican Party, are completely comfortable with the competition. We think it's a healthy thing. Um, and we, we embrace the the fact that people want to ha- have their voice heard and, and um, get their get their positions out there. Um, but to to what you said earlier, I, I have not heard anyone who is not planning on um, supporting Trump over other Republican candidates uh, at this time. So now, you know, you, you mentioned the word Trump and we, we talked about Trump earlier. Kind of walk me through impeachment. Uh, does Drake College Republicans have a stand? Have they published anything about their stand on the on the impeachment inquiry into President Trump? Is this something that worries you as a Republican? Uh, do you think that President Trump faces a legitimate threat here through impeachment? Or do you think that this is something that, like Jeff Kaufman told me last week, could actually turn out, uh, could actually end up helping President Trump in his reelection effort? 
Yeah, you know, it really doesn't worry me. I think that, first of all, I think the media and the Democrats kind of had their uh, head out, head over their skis a bit with this impeachment um, inquiry. They, you know, they announced the inquiry before they even saw the transcript of this Ukrainian call. Um, and I think that that says a lot. I think that a lot of people think that the U-Haul trucks are going to be parked at the White House tomorrow. Um, and that's just not the case. Even if um, it did get to the House floor, I have a very hard... Um, uh, time believing that Senator McConnell and the the Senate Republicans are gonna going to move forward with removing Tr- President Trump from office at this time with the uh, with the facts that we have. Um, but I think we have a long ways to go. I think that we're we're months away from even seeing um, a house a house vote on this, um, and I think that it would do us all well to take a few steps back. And then. Finally, John, just kind of a big picture question for you uh, about being a Republican at Drake and being the co-president of College Republicans. Uh, do you do you believe that be, being a Republican at Drake is something that is common or easy? Do you feel like Republicans are discriminated against, as some people um, have kind of thought and, and put forward um, past Republican presidents at Drake have? What do you view the role of conservatives on Drake's campus, and do you think that the, that role is given a voice? Um, I think that we do have a big role on campus, and I think that when we talk, we are listened to. Um, But I also think that a big um, important part of the college experience is getting your beliefs and your views challenged. And I think that Republicans have their views challenged constantly on a campus, um, any campus in the nation, really. But I think that what we need to focus on is making sure that all students' views are challenged. And I don't always see that happening, unfortunately. I think that um, students on the Democratic or liberal side of the spectrum um, are pretty are pretty comfortable with with their views and, and they don't get to see the other side, which I think is unfortunate in a campus climate. Um, and I think it would be great to see more support for bringing conservatives to campus, bringing speakers um, and really having having the backs of of conservatives on campus. While we are doing a good job, I think that there's always room for improvement in that area. Well, thank you so much, John, for sitting down. Finally, finally, I'd like to let you plug any uh, places we can follow you personally or Drake College Republicans on Twitter, Instagram. How can we keep up with you? Yeah, so you can follow Drake College Republicans on Facebook or you can go to Drake College Republicans on Instagram at Drake underscore college underscore Republicans. Um, yeah, feel free to follow us and then also follow along with my blogs on, on Facebook and on the iocaucusproject.com. John, thank you so much. I really appreciate you making time to sit down, and uh, it means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. That was John Altendorf on the Meet the Member section of the Iowa Caucus Project podcast. Coming up after this, we will give you the schedule of events uh, for the upcoming week. It's now time for the calendar of events section of the podcast. We're going to tell you where the candidates are going to be and when for the upcoming week around the Des Moines area. So we'll start off on Friday, October 4th at 3 p.m. Amy Klobuchar is going to be in Newton at the REG biorefinery plant. Uh, She's going to have a roundtable there again. That's 3 p.m. on Friday, October 4th for Klobuchar. On Sunday, October 6th at 6.20 p.m., Kamala Harris will have a town hall at Iowa State University at the Seaman Building in Ames. Doors open at 5.35 p.m., and that event starts at 5, 6.20 p.m. for Harris. Kamala Harris on Monday, October 7th, is going to be in Ankeny, Iowa, at the Ankeny Market and Pavilion for another town hall. Doors open at 5.55 for that town hall, and the event starts at 6.40. Again, that's Kamala Harris in Ankeny. And finally, on Tuesday, October 8th at 6.30 p.m., 
Cory Booker will be at Noah's event venue in West Des Moines for West Des Moines conversation with Cor- for a West Des Moines conversation with Cory Booker uh, in Clive. So that's Noah's event venue in Clive, Iowa, for Cory Booker on Tuesday, October eighth at six thirty p.m. And that is the list of events for the upcoming week around the Des Moines area. And with that, we have finished another episode of the Iowa Caucus Project podcast. Thank you, as always for listening and I look forward to getting back with you next week. Thank you so much.